Coca-Cola was supposed to be a cure for headaches and to cure um, tiredness because it had cocaine in it. <laughs> so it kind of worked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Design Huddle. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the history of branding. Mustafa, you wrote an awesome article from Design Today. Is that that's the name? That's the name of your blog. So yes, I I have that thing of buying domains as a pastime and not actually working on my website. So Domain like, squatters, <laughs> the, so design, the oldest trick in the yeah, book. Yeah. So, so it's like designtoday.info or mustafa.london or mustafa.im um, or fatty.co.uk or like, <laughs> like let's say, yeah, but the main one was like design today was like the one which I was running with. And the, the goal was to actually write about design articles on a regular basis. And I forgot to write that many. But on one occasion when I did write um, was uh, the history of branding. And this is by far probably the most popular article I've ever written. It's been cited by multiple branding books. Uh, or like marketeers have been writing about branding in particular. Um, and so, yeah, it, and also it was inspired by a talk which I gave about this topic years back um, when I was working for a consultancy company about the history of branding because a lot of people are quite interested about um, this. And there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, branding, like where it, people think it's like the Mad Men era is really what happened, but there's a lot of conveying things which um, happened simultaneously in different parts of the world that led to like this big explosion by the time of the 60s. So. Yeah, yeah, this is super, super cool. So we'll, we'll link the article. It's called Brand New, The History of Branding. Um, but tell us some cool stories. Start from the top. Where did this all start? So, I mean, so, I mean this is very commonly known. Like uh, the word branding comes from the Norse brander, I think it's probably pronounced. Uh, and it basically means to burn. Uh, and it, the the note is like basically cattle was, was uh, branded uh, as in like burnt with insignias. Um, slaves were in burnt with the insignias and so the concept of branding as a thing was like this is an ownership thing so i own this this is mine and this is my insignia and so you see that as the startings of like what logo is and branding of like the ownership of something um but then like insignias on rings you know like in the old school where they're like uh kings or whatever or queens will put wax on a letter and then they'll brand it with their ring and that's almost like their signature insignia um, and so that it would know when it gets to, you know, the other kingdom far, far away, they'll see that this letter hasn't been tampered with, that this is actually a royal a signet. So you see that kind of things existed and like a royal household with like the arms, so the shield symbols that you get, like ye olden. Um, and so this idea of a logo brand, you know, religious symbols, flags, this kind of sort of ownership or representation um, almost like a prerequisite to like a passport, maybe a passport photo or something that says, this is who I am, like a, a way to recognize this has happened. This has existed from like 2000 BC, right? So this idea of insignias, symbols that represent something and other people would have to interpret what that means. Um, but really we start seeing branding evolving in the 1800s. Um, 
so the, the people think from the 60s mad men everyone knows that from the tv show and whatnot um but the the first i mean again so you have the insignias is one part of history right they right. sit over there in the 1800s you have these guys known as the pitchmen who would get um special favors from the british royal family to get uh patents to sell stuff in the new world so this is it's selling stuff in america so if you knew like the king or the queen and you'd be able to say yeah i want to sell something so pitchmen is where we get the term pitching and pitchmen were basically um oil snake salesmen where they're going there trying to sell these amazing concoct concoctions to like um the new world which was america uh, which often didn't really work so like i think you see coca-cola and pepsi are you know coca-cola was supposed to be a cure for headaches and to cure um tiredness because it had cocaine in it <laughs> so it kind of worked but had a lot of side of it and pepsi was supposed to help cure like stomach upsets because these were medicines and you know there's that you know i don't want to get into this because there's the politics of it america's considered to be a very heavily medicated society this may have been where it started where people rely quite a lot on medication um when compared like turkey's very similar as well in that respect uh so th this may have been like the early thing so yeah these people selling these things sometimes really ridiculous so on the lot <laughs> on the actual article there's like uh one says um for two fake drops made with from cocaine and there's pictures of kids like foraging so it's like it's it's oh, cocaine tooth yeah. drops um which is like basically being uh shown like you know to kids uh, so you see this kind of the idea of selling um as family products that could be used as a, as a form of medication. Remember, this is a time where people couldn't really validate stuff. And it's also a time where people were disconnected. Um, and so you've got the insignia stuff happening. You've got these pitchmen trying to sell ideas as a thing. And these are two things, obviously, we know in branding. But it wasn't until, like, also around this time, you'd have product placement. Like, there are Renaissance paintings Um with like beers <laughs> in the actual painting as product placement, which are hilarious to see. Um, so co cocaine tooth drops uh, was the thing. In by the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, you see the invention of three things which happened simultaneously. Um, the first was um, the railroad in America, where all these rural areas part of, of the states which were completely disconnected. So if you wanted to buy something. Um, you would have to go like whatever was in the town, right? You couldn't just purchase whatever. But the railroad basically connected everything. Uh, then you had the the postal service, which again allowed things to be sent to one another. So this was like you know on top of the network. And then you had the final thing, uh, final piece of technology was mail order catalogs, which were known as wish books. So this is like the aspirational things. So people for the first time could buy something from another part of the country. And have it delivered to them and this this concept so this aspirational books like so in the article you see like an example of a wish book was pretty phenomenal because traditionally you had like the old silk road where if you lived on the pathway from asia all the way to europe that's where all the trade happened so you'd have to be by the trade or you had to go to the markets this allowed the markets to come to you and it's quite an interesting parallel if you imagine the train network to be like the internet if you imagine a postal service to be like um the web browser or the web and then um the wish book is almost like a website it's like the amazon of, of of the of the past and that this was a pretty um revolutionary so again again we're going back we have the insignias we have the idea of selling ideas and now we have like the system that enables the ideas to be sold that are aspirational and this is the branding element that you see um sorry i'm just rattling through do you want me to carry on or is there anything you want to add to that no this is all this is Awesome. I'm not a branding expert, but I always love okay. seeing like, like even like the pit, the, the pitchman thing and like all, all this origin stuff, just like 
being a new audience to this, like this is super cool. So Again, continue along. So, but, I'm, I'm intrigued. So, but, so like by the 1920s, you start seeing this becoming all these crossover things happening. Um, and then World War One happens, World War Two, And that basically puts everything on pause with the exception of propaganda. Now that, so that is a thing that, you know, again, is part of branding. Like, um, especially, I mean, the, the, the thing with when you talk about any history of anything, you're always faced with war and war is the thing which propels technology forward by massive leaps because it's like wars and pandemics what do they do is they force people to work together for good or for bad to do something and this is where you see huge leaps and bounds you see like covid has made for the first time the science community internationally work together to get to a vaccine right so that's one thing that happens and this happens every hundred years like with whatever and wars flight went awol telecommunications all this like how can we do things quicker in order to save ourselves right and so Propaganda was one of those things where if you take a message and it's complex, people interpret it differently. But you take a simple message and repeat it and repeat it, it becomes a part of someone. Like you first read something, you repeat it, and then you proclaim it. And that's basically what happens with propaganda, you know, right. where the thing that you're saying, you know, like Nike, just do it. Like, da 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 da, I'm loving it. It's, these things are simple, you know, or think different, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, so at the end of the Second World War, what was left with in abundance was manufacturing because manufacturing really le had leaps and bounds. So you have the insignias, you had the pitching of ideas, you had the wish book. Now you have the ability to mass produce. So the factories that were created in the aftermath of the Second World War was like, all right, what well, we can do with these? And so companies were buying stuff up and then it was like producing stuff. And then um, you had like uh, the unique selling uh, uh, proposition or unique selling position. Um, so by the 1940s, you had this amazing campaign by IBM, who was like, who now are manufacturing like technology. And so the IBM's thing was think. It was like think that they had it everywhere. Um, and the, one of the most amazing slogans they had is "I think, therefore IBM," um, which is just, you know, when you're thinking about d design, whatever. Um, and I didn't realize this at the time when Apple did their think different. Basically, they were trolling IBM. So it's like okay, you have think, and so a lot of a lot yeah, of apples, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of apples thing. Like there was the nineteen eighty four advert which they did in nineteen eighty four, which was basically trolling IBM, saying, "Don't be like IBM, be like the revolutionary, be all these other things." Um, and so uh, <laughs> the other thing is like in the nineteen forties, like cigarette campaign is unethical or whatever. But like uh, Lucky Stripes had a campaign was like reach for Lucky instead of a sweet. It was pitched at women. Like lucky strikes as if this is a way to lose weight i mean you think about how horrible that is right now but i mean that's this is how these campaigns were like playing on people's emotions right um and so branding has done that um and so you see apple's like this idea of like brands existing with these strong statements i think therefore ibm or like you know vw had think small again again it was playing on other things so you know you're seeing brands trolling what well, that's about trolling right making a play on other brands you're familiar with this idea so now i'm going to expand upon that idea and say something else so again it's brands leaning on one of each other so you see this development this kind of war of brands happening um by the 1950s you start seeing characters evolving so you know frosted flakes and whatever and people like identifying um and the brands telling their own mythology like the jolly green giant trying to make these things which are basically trying to sell a story you know in this proposition um and the famous one is like uh 
the Philip Morris company. So they had these cigarettes that were pitched at women and they were not doing too well. Um, and so they thought, okay, why don't we pitch this at men? And they took a photograph of this uh, cowboy and they put it on, on, on their, their billboards and this became the Marlboro Man. And, you know, cigarette sales, again, this is unethical, but this is the history of branding, um, went up by 300% and you had all these city slickers who are just aspiring to be the rough and ready, uh, rough and ragged um, cowboy. And so this idea of the image of something, the tribalism of branding, the tribe, you know, um, so then by the 60s, you start seeing semiotics playing with imagery, incorporating that. Um, uh, you see like American dairy companies, you know, trying to pitch because it's like it's some things you have stereotypes in a community or in a country. Uh, so what they would do is they'll say, OK, if in America it was known like dairy products were the best from um Danish ones were the best like dairy products so if you design anything you make it look Danish people think oh my god this, this is a you know a true dairy product right but even though it was just made in America and I think Hagen Dice is the famous one it's spelt um to look that way but it's not it's just made in Brooklyn but it's actually designed to look foreign because this had this the Americans perception of like dairy is like if you make it look slightly foreign that means it's quality when there isn't so you see that kind of thing um being sold um, and then we hit the 1960s and this is where we start seeing counterculture movement moving away mad men by 1970s um, and you start seeing product placement becoming a thing so once you have these counterculture movements especially like hip-hop was a big one you see like brands wanting to associate themselves with the musicians so run dmc with adidas and then later on i think puma and again you know it's like how can we jump onto these things and make these tribes. So Harley Davidson was a huge tribe, right? People have this image of what Harley is. And you, you owning the bike is not just owning a motorbike, but it's about being a part of the brand. Um, do you want me to carry on? Because <laughs> I'll keep branding. Or... Yeah, I mean, so we're right now we're up till like the 19, like 70s is, like 90s, 60s was Mad Men, right? It was the Mad Men era. Yep. So what was there any other like prominent brands, 1960s, 1970s that kind of really stuck out in, in terms of branding, like innovation? I think Levi's jeans is a big one that made some jumps and, and bounds. Um, you know, so you the, the and you famous, mentioned uh, in the article, you mentioned Adidas, um, basically what they did during the early days of hip hop, which I actually find super interesting because Adidas um, now like, you know, you know, you know, now it's 2021, they are now sponsoring like, um, like a ton of hip hop artists today. So it's like a lot of their branding hasn't changed in that amount of time. So it's kind of cool that they're staying true to their roots. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, what's well, like Nike is Nike or Nike. We've had that debate already. Um, they, they've, I mean, they're the number one sportswear brand. So how do you get in on that? And I think, assigning themselves or aligning themselves with like the county culture movements of hip hop and like trying to sell this idea of youth. And the thing was especially interesting around DMC is if you think of hip hop at that time, again, this guy in hip hop history now, um, right. hip hop artists will look, will basically look like Prince or uh, Rick James. They're very flamboyant, you know, with the sort of, um, I think they call it the androgynous look where it's like, you know, all brightly colored run DMC came and they were like, how you would perceive hip-hop today sportswear the cap and whatever this came yeah. from basic run dmc basically were the ones who designed this style and the the big appeal for them is kids on the street of new york they identified that this is what i look like whereas hip-hop of before was like that's what the music my parents look like that's like the rock stars of their era but this right. was like you know and so adidas jumping on this 
bandwagon was like almost at the perfect time. So they were able to ship. Um, I think they did uh, a brand deal with them. So uh, Run DMC had a song called My Adidas, I believe, um, if I'm not correct. Uh, if I'm in, not uh, incorrect. But yeah, so I mean, you see that happening in the 70s, Mad Men. Uh, by 1980s, you start seeing a bit of a turnaround and um, a pushback towards brands. Because by this point, uh, you had brands were quite friendly. Like McDonald's, I remember as a kid, was like, that was a treat. You go to McDonald's because it's amazing. But by 1980s, you start seeing this pushback of people are start becoming untrustworthy of brands because um, it's unhealthy. So it's like, so the the brand image you starts losing trust this may actually be an influence like i think watergate like where that was the first time in modern times um where there was a distrust of like what you're being told it's like no this was actually a lie and so i think that well they say generation x were the ones who had the most distrust or cynicism um towards things what they're being told because of this like these like um and that things that were happening in like the political sphere and i think you see right. that being influenced of like okay Brands always sit next to governments, therefore brands can't be trusted as well. This is another form of propaganda. Blah, blah. So you see this pushback. So then um, Adbusters were the famous uh, website. I don't know if they still exist, uh, where they um, were fighting against. So they do mock-ups of like famous brand ads, Nike, where they'll do like basically pictures of um, uh, third world countries like with their sweatshops and whatnot and saying like what it does to like the communities and whatever. Like Calvin Klein's posters where like the models are being treated badly, but it's like showing, it's like basically like protest branding. Almost, it it almost sounds like very uh, Banksy-esque, right? Where it's always like a political statement or a cultural statement. Yeah, this was like maybe, I mean, possibly was in, he was inspired by this stuff. I and mean, this was way before he made it onto the scene. But again, you see this happening in design. The grunge movement is happening. Hip hop again is becoming quite counterculture to like brands as well at this time. Uh, fighting back public enemy, you see it happening. Um, so there's anti-brand, anti-corporate, a message that you see, again, 80s and early 90s. Um, and so the people become less trusting. You see, uh, there, what was the film? Oh, God. American film. I've forgotten what it's called. Um, where basically they had, that's it, Repo Man. That's it. They had no branding and no brand placement, product placement in the yeah. film. Everything was just like cereal, white boxes, whatever. And again, that was a protest against advertising. Um and so you see that, and again, I think it's all come wrapped round again by today. You see, everyone now understands what brands are. Um, like some brands just ha take the heat. So whenever there's demonstrations, a Starbucks or McDonald's will get tr uh, trashed because that represents whatever in people's minds. Um, but what's interesting is, in the olden times, we would say that a brand should always try to change as little as possible because people need to have the message repeated. Um, continually um, these days you see brands can't really rely on that you see how brands on voice devices they have to change because of minimal spaces on watch devices so it's not just a logo that sits everywhere it has to evolve um, and so you see say like the ev evolution of Apple's logo it used to be this multicolor thing but now it's just like an Apple that's silhouetted so you see like evolution of, of of marks will keep on changing is they're not static anymore um so that's what i find quite interesting yeah that's um interesting. but yes yeah, so, i mean and then in the article i just talk about uh, a cartoonist uh, hm bateman who once described in 1990 so in, in 1919 um 
he he had this hatred for like the modernism or postmodernism, uh, Picasso and all that. So I'm not an admirer of people who draw like Picasso. I feel his influence has been a bad one, demoralizing and reducing the world to a farmyard. So again, it's like if you take any of these kind of styles and trends, basically he's criticizing that you're not people are not finding their own voice. Um, but we're seeing our brands becoming a bit too over the top. Um, I talk about you know you go to an app store and you open that or and you see how how brands are really evolving there um but it's interesting space you know uh i think the brands have transcended what a logo that most people want to identify um but yeah what do you think that's a huge monologue <laughs> so no i mean that, sorry that, if i've uh, made you tired no, I, I think it's i think it's awesome so the the one thing that i realize is that like when you think branding you think of like like a lot of people also think of like their personal brand right which which isn't like you know everyone's no, I was just saying, so like we think about personal branding and branding in general, but it's also kind of interesting to hear like the dark history of branding as well, where it didn't necessarily come from like, you know, the most honest path. So, you know, after hearing the history, I kind of understand where we're at now. What, what do you think is the role of branding today and where do you see branding going? I mean, I see branding as like a tool. Like, you know, it's a tool yeah. that you're trying to, that, that does, does a thing. And it's like a knife, you know, you can use a knife to cut bread or you can use it to cut people. <laughs> Sorry to sound really bleak. So I see branding as that tool. Um, and in the, with any tool there, it has its ability to do things. It's kind of what, how, what is in the hands of the user, right? Um, or in the hands of the, each company. So we know how to sell things. We know that you're repeating a simple message being recognizable because people's short term memory. Um, so those are kind of the rules, but now the surfaces that we're seeing, so see if what happens in augmented reality, like you imagine, um, if you have like glasses as being an interface, every time you put on a glasses, it brands the entire world in the, in the style. So imagine like if a sweet company, you put it on, it's like Willy Wonka, like everything becomes multicolored. So imagine that a brand basically imposing itself on everything that you see. That could be an interesting space. Pretty dystopian and scary. <laughs> like yeah. an episode of Black Mirror, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But that's a possibility. I mean, we kind of have that virtual reality in a way. Gaming has been really strong in that space. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 success, the, the most successful brands are the ones which are simple, easy to remember. If you could give someone a pencil, they can draw it. Um, I actually, <laughs> just to suppose finish off, I was in the supermarket um, a couple of days ago as in, that's the only place I go now. And there was a board game called Logo, where the idea is you show logos. I think it's in Costco, actually. <laughs> oh, and you, have um, to list, and you have to name the logo? Yeah, basically, it's a board game for for family fun, and you show a logo. So what logo is it? That's kind of that's crazy that that's where we've actually ended up. So maybe I should put that, take a picture of that, and say, this is where all brands end up. <laughs> yeah. In the branding... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the, the goal of every brand is to reach the zeitgeist so that they become a part of society. So Xerox becomes a synonym for photocopying. Or in the UK, Hoover becomes a synonym for vacuum cleaner. Or Coke becomes a synonym for pop. Um, uh, that's the goal of any brand once you enter the lexicon um, of a society. Uh, and so we'll see what happens next. You know, how, how we can evolve and change. Um, but yeah, so that's my rant for today. Do you know that was that was brilliant? Give it up, standing ovation. That was super cool. I learned a lot. I mean, like sometimes I just want to sit back and listen. That's part of the beauty of doing a 
a podcast with someone that knows a lot more on <laughs> different topics than me. Um, but cool. Thanks everyone again for tuning in. That was a epic, epic retell of the history of branding. Um, we'll link the article. Um, if you haven't done so, subscribe to us on Spotify, you know, Anchor, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we also just launched a bunch of YouTube content, most of which is in the podcast, but there's also content that'll just be YouTube focused. So please go check that out. Subscribe. Um, we really appreciate um, all the feedback that we've gotten so far. So keep it coming. And yeah, awesome episode. Learned a lot. Thanks, Mustafa. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.